Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this, my friends, is the Force Center Podcast Feed. I'm Ken Napsa. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episode. Cues stands for questions. News stands for news. Hello, friends. Hello, Ken. Hello, friends. Hello there. Uh, this is going to be, you know what, Joseph? This is going to be a fun episode because this is a, a juicy, occasionally click topic that has some meat to it and it just makes me uh it reminds me of sitting at a bar with you in vegas talking about star wars <laughs> yeah this is a, i was thinking the exact same thing of this is a sitting with a beer uh in a bar going what if wouldn't that be cool wow Wow, is the title of this show. Wouldn't that be cool? Before we get to all the coolness, we're going to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we'll have our force center recommends an audiobook we think you, nay, we want you to try out on us star wars life adventures that's a weighted question often these days joseph we have to find little joys uh amongst all the the bigger things going on so how's life how's star wars adventures yeah no life is a difficult uh challenge i think for many people and understandably so uh for myself i had a pretty good week obviously the big things going on in life are always affecting us but i I uh, finished a draft of a script and it's a fun ritual for me of when I finish a draft up to like I usually do a first draft, then I do a second draft and then my uh, wife reads it and then uh, we talk about it. And I, I, that was a fun life adventure. If I, I got a draft to the wife read, talk about it <laughs> uh, part of the process, which is always a, a joy. So I was really happy about that. Star Wars Adventures. I had a lot of Star Wars Adventures, but they were all really in service of stuff we were doing for the podcast. Um, had great fun reading that book, The Lightsaber Collection, that we're going to talk about for the deep dive episode uh, that'll come out this Thursday, that, you know, lightsabers for me are like, they're right at the heart of my Star Wars fandom. So that was just some great total Star Wars nerding out, which I really enjoyed. 
in the other Star Wars adventure I had was a strangely practical one. Uh, for a while now, I have had kind of pseudo designed in my mind a uh, a display kind of not case, but basically like I wanted to get someone to build me a hanging frame that had like store pegs so I could put a bunch of action figures on the wall. And I finally Ooh. accepted I'm not going to do that anytime soon. So I bought just a cork board. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> The corkboard is great. Though now I do want you to have your own KB toy rack in your house. Oh yeah, man! If uh, if I were ever uh, wealthy and eccentric, I would have basically like welcome to my Star Wars room that basically looks like an old toy store, and they're all on the racks. Uh, but yeah, I know you have corkboard. I've seen other people with corkboard, and in the, this is sometimes one of those uh, the uh, the perfect shouldn't be the enemy of the good. So like, I bought some corkboard. That was my Star Wars adventure, and I'm really looking forward to hanging it up and putting up some of my favorite figures. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm, here I am. As I'm talking to you, staring at a rata, staring at a Leia. It's just nice. It's comforting. <laughs> and that might go to our youths of turning the corner on those uh, c- convenience stores and toy stores and seeing that wall of figures. That is right. I want to stare at a ratus. <laughs> Uh, yeah. One other, uh, little fun Star Wars adventure. And this is, uh, a Mandalorian spoiler. Uh, I think for the most part, we're being open with, uh, assuming people are caught up with Mandalorian. But again, if you don't want to hear it, uh, you know, fast forward literally a minute, cause this will be very quick. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about each episode we're watching Mandalorian. We're sharing our super inside the bubble reactions, but then, uh, having some fun speculating, uh, what our partners will react to and how, and uh, watched this most recent episode of Mandalorian with my wife, Sarah. And it was great because she she was like, Bo-Katan, oh, yeah, I think I kind of remember her. But, you know, we've watched Clone Wars and Rebels out of order and, you know, all that. Uh, but the uh, the Ahsoka Tano drop, uh, her jaw just dropped. And it was so great. It was so great to see it in such a pure way of like, what? That's possible? How? What? And she had no idea. She didn't know any of it. That's great. I did the test, too. And uh, this week's episode was very well received, except for one character was, quote, really annoying every time she talks. So um, (laughs) we'll see what next week brings. (laughs) Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good test. That's a good test. So that's, well, that, that's a lot. That's a full, that's a full life in Star Wars adventure week for you. Yeah. It's a pretty full week. How about yourself? What were your life and or Star Wars adventures? You know, uh, I don't have anything specific. I, I I'd say I am, uh, I feel like Han Solo and Chewie combined in the echo, uh, echo base, uh, hangar on Hoth. Uh, I have been in a office space for the better part of seven days, uh, roughly from, you know, 4 PM till 10 or 11 PM at night, uh, doing woodworking. So actually I feel like Harrison Ford in the seventies, uh, before he got cast and things. Um, <laughs> uh, some friends of mine and I are working on something kind of, we haven't uh, announced what yet, yet what, but we're building sets and stuff. And I'm not good at that stuff. I'm good at sweeping Joseph kind of, um, <laughs> So I've learned a lot. I've, I feel as though right now I could build you a, a wood fence in the front of your yard. Ooh, could, uh, can you build me an action figure uh, display hanger? Because then we could talk. I almost, it would look, it would look <laughs> like, um, it wouldn't look good. <laughs> uh, I've, I've learned some new skills. So uh, build a, a desk for four people, uh, a bar, a, a brick wall, a faux brick walls set. I, it, it's, it, it, but, but it's, it is kind of that, um, Han keeping the Falcon going. Like we just need to get this looking. Like 
And uh, which also a little bit like Mando this past week, not to get too any in, into spoiled de- details on, on little plot points. I wasn't wearing a fisherman sweater though, that while doing it. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, that's, that's kind of been it. Like I have not, other, other than watching and doing the stuff related to Force Center, I haven't had any, even any life adventures. It, it's been, but it's fun. Hard work, uh, you know, hopefully that can pay off. But it, it's, uh, it's, I, you know, this year alone, I've learned to cook better, uh, which is something I always kind of wanted to do. And my dad has woodworking and engineering skills at Tui, and I did not get that side. I got his build. I did not get his skills. So uh, here in 2020, to kind of, he, he also was a great cook. So to, to, to kind of be able to connect with that side of my life and force myself out of pure, just actual need, I need to learn how to be able to hammer better. And to, to succeed, it's worked for me, sir. It's it's. I don't know if that's a Star Wars lesson, but it's some. I think so. I think a uh, necessity is the uh, parent of woodworking. I think that's true. <laughs> that's exactly what Frank Zappa said at one point. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yes, yes. I took a wood technology uh, class in uh, in high school. It's literally called wood technology, and I wasn't great, but uh, the things I made uh, still survived. The bookcase next to me that is loaded up with uh, books yeah. and action figures wood technology back in the day i but i've seen that i've seen that bookshelf that's a good shelf it's a solid shelf yeah well shelf <laughs> i i had a little mini class of that in eighth grade and i built a mirror with the new york yankees uh, baseball team insignia on it um it was so bad you can't see the mirror like it's just like <laughs> a half sliver of a mirror behind the logo <laughs> Okay, well, let, we'll talk uh, during not Star Wars podcast about. I want. I might want to turn that into a short story. That's a very like Edgar Allan Poe horror story of I built a mirror where I couldn't see myself. Telltale <laughs> mirror, indeed. Star Wars and Life Adventures. It's our chance to catch up, not just with each other, but with all of you out there in the audience. Let's dive into the Star Wars news. I will say, not quote a lot of news this week but a lot to dig into from what we did get we'll get some merchandise mando monday stuff here in a second but the big headline uh reads this maul and talon tale of two darts well um maybe kind of sort (laughs) of so here's the scoop i'm going to kind of as always kind of recap some stuff and joseph uh, will dive in and feel free joseph to dive in on anything that uh, pops up that you want to talk about while i run through a little bit of things um, Paul Duncan uh, has the Star Wars Archives 1999 to 2005 coming out. This will cover the prequels and the special editions. He had the first Star Wars uh, Archive book, the 77 to 1983. I am fortunate enough to have it, and I say fortunate because it is a giant, giant, heavy, almost small car-sized book um, <laughs> that uh, I just have, and it's it's comforting to just uh, thumb through, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. I'm, I'm going to grab this one, too, as well. Um, so there's a lot in there. And as often does happen with books, uh, as we know, Joseph, it's coming out soon, which means little clips of the book uh, being posted to Reddit. And this this story was originally posted on Reddit. And that link, according to my knowledge, I'm not a Reddit expert, couldn't find it. The links were dead. Uh, and uh, this has spawned some wonderful clickbait articles <laughs> flowing on out of, it, out of it. But we'll just start with the headline here, Joseph. Uh, Lucas, quote, Plan to use Darth Maul and EU superstar Darth Talon as the main villains in a possible original trilogy follow-up sequel trilogy. A, a seven, eight, and nine, yes, but a, a different time, a different era. So let's actually just dive in right to that headline, Joseph, about what that makes you think, feel, wonder, want. Where are you at with that? Oh, just with uh, with, with what element of it? The just you 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 scrolling along. 
Maybe you're doom scrolling. Maybe you're <laughs> looking for otter pictures on Twitter. I don't know, you know, whatever. And you see that headline. Lucas planned to use Maul and Darth Talon as the main villains in uh, his episode seven, eight, and nine. Um, wh- where does your mind go? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I was doom scrolling and joy poking on social media, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I saw this and I went through a Star Wars adventure where I needed to... Uh, fight through uh, the fear and the anger and the negativity to get to the place of joy and hope. (laughs) Right, yeah. Uh, Which is, I I think, uh, my first reaction, and I don't want to dwell on this because I want to talk about all the fun uh, ideas, I'm I'm always concerned about as soon as I see a title like that, I'm immediately going to, but where is this actual information from? When did Lucas say it? Who did he say it to? Uh, Is if he's even said it in a modern context, at what point in his own journey is he referring to having come up with this idea? Um, And all that stuff emerged, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, So that's my very first thing. It's just like, before I even get into the actual Star Wars ideas, I want to get to the truth of the um, reporting. And then the other thing for me that was in some of these clickbait articles, uh, some of the social media reaction, not all of it, I am just personally very, very tired of the comparison game. Um, Mm -hmm. I understand it's a natural thing to do. Uh, I have nothing wrong with people uh, picking their favorites. Uh, But I'm so interested in the actual ideas that Lucas shared. So much more interested in the this is what we could have had or this is what was behind door two. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just it's just not as simple as that. It's just not as direct as that. And for me, it, it at some point it becomes reductive to only talk about Lucas's ideas in contrast to what the sequel trilogy ended up being. Yeah. So full of it. Yeah. That, that honestly, that's my first reaction. And then I get into all the ooh, Darth Maul, Darth Talon, interesting Luke, Leia, all the other stuff we're going to talk about uh, and yeah. very, very intrigued by the actual ideas. Yeah. Well, see, I, I, I'm very glad you started there because I think we try to be honest here and, and the Force Center vibe is is always referred to as positive. And you, uh, you and I have discussed both the positive side of being considered positive and, and the negative side of being considered too positive. Um, I, so I had a similar reaction where I didn't even see, you know, I see it and I just go, eh, whatever, whatever. And then I see it's from Paul Duncan's books. I'm like, oh, well, I'm looking forward to this book. That's interesting. And, and, and you dig in and then there's a lot of things in this that I'm like, oh, I love, I love this. This is some great, great stuff. This was to me never going to be in play for what he eventually handed over to Disney. And I'm dying to one day read what he handed over to Disney. But yeah, it just becomes, it, it creates, and, and you and I have to power through sometimes the defensive n- uh, nature of just kind of, you know, being a human sometimes. If you love something, <laughs> you might get defensive. We love the sequel trilogy. No secret about that. And so when I see tweets, oh, this would have been so much cooler, I immediately, look what I just did. I get into a mocking tone. Uh, <laughs> put up my sword. I put up my dukes. And, and you know, uh, you know, that's a lesson on us. I want to try to be better first before beating any, some, anyone else into submission into my ideas, right? You know, like, let me work on it. And once I look, clicked on these stories and, and was able to put that aside, this was one of, this was a very fun story to dig into. Yeah. a lot of possibilities and a lot of good things so anyways I, I all that to say i think you and i are in a very honest spot and 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 it, it's good to share that as in star wars fandom this time yeah and this- yeah and i think for me i i would i would separate it between sometimes i get defensive when i see a hot take that i disagree with but you know i let that go because it's subjective if somebody doesn't like a film i like yeah that can be frustrating but opinions are opinions and that's just fine that's a part of this of just like 
I like the sequel trilogy and, and, you know, it's sometimes difficult when people really, really don't. But there's also the like, we need to look at facts like that's just so incredibly important to me when talking about Star Wars or anything else in the world. We need to check dates. We need to check sources. We need to know that we know what we're talking about. Um, and, uh, and just for clarity, if people are hearing about this for the first time, this is coming from a relatively recent interview with Lucas. But it's clear that he is talking about ideas that he has had as uh, the sequel trilogy in his mind you know, changed and morphed because even part of these ideas that he's describing, he ended up putting in the Clone Wars himself. Mm -hmm. So this was not, yes, this is a recent interview, but this is not him saying, here's, here are all the ideas I handed to Lucasfilm and what they didn't do in 2012. Right. And uh, yeah. And uh, just, uh, we, we often uh, use Star Wars Newsnet uh, as a resource and I thought this article in particular, written by Grant Davis, really broke all that down. The actual, where does this come from? What does it mean in the timeline? I thought this article was really well done, so I wanted to shout that out. Kudos to uh, Grant Davis and Star Wars Newsnet for breaking that all down so well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well said. Uh, and a great team over there with, you know, the Resistance broadcast, everything they, they do over there. And and, uh, and, and uh, it is, it is, for years, has been a, just a go-to source of, hey, here's a, here's a spot where you can kind of uh, sift through the Star Wars news and, and dive in as needed. And, and I definitely agree with you there. A lot of the notes coming, um, you know, from their insightful article here. So let's run through some of the things here. Um, stop me if you want to get off the escalator. At any point <laughs> uh, from this, maybe just me, but I think you touched upon it. Maul's story, uh, just very, very, very similar to what would eventually happen to him in the Clone Wars, uh, including being brought back alive, very upset and involved in criminal syndicates. Uh, <laughs> it's not as good as your Clone Wars report summaries, but I think it's on there. Um, and also a little, little bit, uh, you know, these syndicates would kind of work against the stability of what we, you know, call the New Republic. Uh, Darth Talon would be his apprentice. Uh, Leia would become chancellor or supreme chancellor. Luke would be searching for Order 66 survivors and uh, children with force potential to re rebuild the Jedi Order. Luke and Leia would have to face the new Sith, and Leia would be revealed to be the one to bring balance to the Force. Uh, George goes on to discuss uh, that, um, you know, it, 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 rebuilding the Republic is harder than uh, starting a rebellion or fighting a war, kind of that uh, winning and ruling are two different things kind of concept. Uh, and as we talked about, this is not necessarily uh, a part of what would eventually be in uh, the treatments he gave uh, Disney for the sequel trilogy. So that's kind of just uh, a summary there. We can start diving on in uh, there. So uh, what what do you uh, gravitate towards here? There's a lot to dig into. Yeah. So it, like I think you were saying, like, if this was something that he had made in the early, not I guess the early 2000s, because he was still making the prequels. But if he had turned right around in the prequels and went and made this, there is nothing that I object to in this. I love all of these yeah. ideas uh, as themselves. Like clearly it is talking about much being much closer to return of the Jedi than the sequel trilogy uh, that ended up being made was. Uh, but yeah. So a couple of things that I love. Um, I really, really like all the big picture stuff with Leia. I like the way that Leia is being centered, not just because Leia is a great character, but for me, it just, it pulls together. I think all these threads of the evolving idea of Star Wars, uh, particularly as I interpret it uh, from the outside of of a Lucas perspective. Uh, Lucas has so many great quotes going back to uh, the era of A New Hope in the original trilogy of like, 
Leia's the actual leader. She's the one who actually understands the government, the politics, the rebellion, the galaxy. Yeah. She's the one who actually knows what's going on. Now, Leia is absolutely great in the original trilogy in that it's def- seeds of that are there. But, but you know, she is also like not as elevated as she could be in the original trilogy, right? So th- there's a part of me where Luke is looking forward and going, you know, I'm going to really take what I believe and take what I put... Uh, parts of that in the original trilogy and i'm really going to make that the focus leia is going to be the focus and then i think by saying the the real challenge of this time is how do you build rebuild a government and make it just and how do you fight uh the the reemergence of crime and the sith and do it in a just and inclusive way like let's tackle these big challenges that ties together what he's interested in in the prequels of like the systems of government systems of power matter. Uh, but then it also kind of ties together the original trilogy where like, yeah, we, we are aware of the political reality, but the original trilogy is so focused on the interpersonal dynamics of the rebellion and Vader and the Skywalker family. So to kind of pull all those together and say, Leia is the person who's always been the steadfast hero of the story. Uh, so she has to basically as somebody who is an heir to this mystical heritage of this power of being a, a Skywalker who is a, a tied to the Force, she has to resolve that for herself in a way that also resolves everything for the galaxy. So it gets away from that criticism that sometimes people have of the original trilogy where, uh, yeah, Luke really makes a difference and, and so does Anakin by you know overthrowing the Emperor. Uh, but you can also read it as an interpersonal battle of the Skywalker family. And it seems to me this treatment is, what if Leia had to deal with all of her interpersonal drama of, of the power of being a Skywalker and also take full responsibility for the fate of the galaxy? Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Can we make this? Can we make this? <laughs> no, no, I love it. Too. Yeah. Cause it, uh, the ideas that are very present and, and uh, we we always joke that some of the Leia's great traits maybe come out of her not being underwritten, but just like you said, not as elevated. She could be in a new hope specifically of, you know, we always go to the putting the blanket over Luke after losing her planet. But that ended up spinning, uh, spinning, spinning off into these just great traits and characteristics of this wonderful character. So to have her kind of have to move all that forward, as Lucas says, this is her rebellion, but now to actually her be at the front and center of all that. And, and then tying into the ideas, it's uh, what I love what's present in what we do have in this modern era of once those fireworks start blasting off on Endor, like the real work begins and how hard that is because on the, I'm not a huge, like I always talk, I don't want Kenobi to fight a bunch of pirates looking for water on Tatooine, right? You know, like, fine, but that's not a big threat to me. Um, big enough threat. Criminal syndicates on the surface, I'm like, hey, okay, but Sith, you know, the mall stuff, Sith run criminal syndicates, under, you know, undercutting the power. Uh, look, even what's going on with Mando out in the outer rim of the New Republic. That's very realistic, very much a problem uh, uh, to deal, to be dealt with. And then you tie in the dark side through that. Ah, yeah, you got something that uh, Leia's in the right spot to uh, handle. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like these ideas might have been more explicit if Lucas had ever, you know, made and told this story. But I do think they're ideas that are present in The Rise of Skywalker in particular, that Leia is so mindful, and The Last Jedi, that Leia is so mindful of passing on 
you know, to the next generation, what she has known, and that idea that really emerges in The Rise of Skywalker is we are not the solution. We are the spark that fires the rest of the galaxy, and it is that spark of hope that Leia keeps alive and, and trains uh, the next generation to keep alive that bursts into this flame of the entire galaxy uh, showing up to to fight this fight for themselves. And I think in The Rise of Skywalker, ultimately, it is a very it is undeniably a, a militaristic thing. And it's very interesting to think of George making slightly more political uh, movies and, and doing that, all those same themes, but having it be told in an almost political story of Leia saying, you, the galaxy, have to rise up and, you know, take responsibility not just for beating the, the criminals, not just for beating the bad guys, but for deciding who you want to be and, and figuring out how can we be truly unified as a, as a people. Uh, and, and that's really interesting to me too, that those themes are there, but maybe they would have been more prequel political, like in, in this version, this idea. Yeah. Even just, you know, with the, the use of mall or order 66 things, you know, he's probably coming up with these ideas on set for in revenge of the Sith, you know, who knows? George is like, yeah, give me my notebook. I got an idea. Uh, you're right. This, this definitely seems like he's answering uh, or continuing conversations he's starting in episodes one, two, and three, which is interesting to me. Um, and I, and I, you and I, I think, think the sequel trilogy is in communication with those movies is, is kind of what we say, but yeah, to have that kind of pick up and not shy away from it. Not that, not that he shied away from the original trilogy. It's, it's just, he, it was a different time. And I think he, 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 he you know, he, he wanted to make a movie that stood on its own or whatever you want to say. He got to roll up his sleeves and do really what he wanted with the prequels. And so to have him do that, have him do that the George way with these characters that we know so well and we grew up with, I I, I would have been intrigued by that. I am intrigued by that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it is also interesting to know that he would have put our characters through the ringer, right? Because there is that uh, kind of push-pull of one can certainly enjoy the end of Return of the Jedi and the Ewoks are happy and uh, the the rebellion won and it's a fairy tale and there's they all lived happily ever after. And it is nice to know that George is like, no, then they have to form a government, which is actually harder than anything they've ever done before. And Luke has to start a new Jedi order. And congratulations, you restored what was there before. Well, uh, you know, per the prequels, there were problems with what was there before. So how are you going to actually make this new thing better? It's interesting to know George uh, had no problem with putting uh, the classic characters through the ringer uh, in their older age. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Um, let's go to the, uh, the dark side, uh, Maul, Talon, uh, Maul coming back. Um, we, we got the famous kind of story of Filoni telling the, the tale of George coming up to him in the hallways and saying, I got one for you. Maul's back. Go figure it out. <laughs> um, I'm sure they had some conversations beyond that. Cause a lot of this seems to come from uh, this article seems to really just mirror uh, and lead to what we get in the Clone Wars and with Maul, including his appearance in Solo, quite frankly, and Crimson Dawn and all that stuff. So let's talk about the Maul of it all. And then that will lead to the Darth Talon of it all, Joseph. What do you think about this uh, this Darth Maul use? Yeah, I love that Filoni story. And I, I like that the behind-the-scenes truth, if that uh, Filoni story is true, that George Lucas walked up to Dave Filoni and said, somehow, Maul has returned. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> He's got robot legs. That's that's it. He's got robot legs. Uh, done. Uh, obviously, there's a little more to it in the story there. Uh, yeah, no, I, I really love that. I love the character of Maul. I love that Lucas was interested in returning to him 
uh, probably just because, hey, cool design, but also like, ooh, all the things that have ended up being explored with Maul, what is that to, you know, have been on a track to do something and then be pushed out of it, you know? Um, and I'm interested to see how that would have expressed itself, that um, it's an interesting political idea to say, well, the Sith tried to, you know, put on the mask of the legitimate government and then do whatever they want. And that worked well for a while. But mm-hmm. what if we were more insidious? What if we looked like, you know, legitimate problems? You know, because the, the way crime presents itself can be complex, right? It can be like, it can be very simple. Like uh, those people kidnap these people for ransom and the, and the kidnappers are clearly bad people. But, uh, you know, with Sith manipulation, you could hide it into like, is there a planet that's impoverished and you get somebody like a Darth Maul or Darth Talon coming along going, well, what if you raided uh, the planet next to you? And then you can get into this moral quagmire very, very quickly manipulated by the Sith of, but they were starving. What's so wrong? They were just fighting for their own life. That's natural. Like, I think there's really interesting things about, you know, what kind of manipulations would Maul and Talon do as crime lords to undermine the new republic that particular idea of that how would they undermine it more than just you know overt crime yeah and it's it's um i don't know it just really works that's part of the reason i just love solo so much and it's interesting to me that george even back then was like look i killed this guy off not saying that he thought that "Ah, i did that wrong because i think he believed that was definitely a valuable part of the story but the fact that he was always like if he's sitting around with his notepad right here going, all right, I want to tell seven, eight, nine, I need a new villain. You know what? I had Maul there. What can we do with that? What does that represent? Uh, I, I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by that of just George. George doesn't create uh, Darth Baddius. You know, he doesn't create something completely new that he, he wants to revisit this. And then they do it because they do it. Maybe it's because they do it so well in Clone Wars, exceeding my expectations. I was not. I was like, spider leg mall, get out of here with that. <laughs> um, it's. It, I think people would agree. It's one of the one of the best things that they did in Clone Wars and that they spilled it over into Rebels so well and 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 turned Maul into something completely new. I loved Maul. I had all the Maul action figures. I probably had a Maul thermos or something too back in 99. And I was one of those, oh, they killed the coolest character. You know, I'm so glad I grew up number one but two you know i i, I get it but um uh i would you know this is just it's 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 a it's an interesting thought to me to have george go let me go back to that yeah yeah absolutely i think that that there would have been a lot of interesting things with uh maul's perspective on uh did that sith plan that city is like so much did it work or not and do i have a different one yeah uh let's talk darth talon here i don't i don't know much about talon I knew the name, knew the character, knew the look. Um, you know, she's, uh, I mean, I even have it on Wikipedia right now, just to, just scrolling through right now. Um, I don't have it. I don't have a, I don't have an opinion either way on Darth, Darth Talon. It's interesting. It's, it's keeping in line with George, what he likes to do. I guess the tale is he saw her on the cover of a comic book or something. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, I can do, I can work with that. Uh, <laughs> do you have any talent hot takes? Just- I really just don't, honestly, because I haven't read uh, her source material. And yeah, she's a, she's a cool looking villain. It's a great aesthetic. But for me, it's all about the ideas. You know, mm-hmm. it would be about what is she in it for? How does her philosophy uh, work with malls uh you know do bo- is it a story of both her and mall trying to restart the sith rule of two or is it uh you know pulling from i think some of her backstory that i read about of are they like there should be as many sith as possible you know 
power in numbers. You know, mm-hmm. so I would only get excited by how she functioned into this story, you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, the aesthetic is there. Um, you know, I did a... I did an image search uh, for Darth Talon for a thumbnail. I would not suggest doing that. Um, that goes uh, that goes to different places real fast in your Google search. Um, so it's an interesting, uh, popular character. I mean, uh, a lot of people cosplay as her, uh, and so it's uh, it's intriguing to me. Um, I keep using the word intriguing today. It's my word of the day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm only excited uh, based on the why, as as we know. So I'm with you too on that. Uh, I'm just more interested about Maul and Maul's. Maul's relationship with an, an apprentice, he's not had the best examples of mentorship. <laughs> and so what kind of mentor would he be? I think we could guess. But also to see what he tries to do with Ezra and where he is a little bit in uh, Rebels. Uh, I'm not going to say softer Maul, but um, a broken, defeated Maul, but still vengeance-filled. So what would he do with someone... Um, under his authority and under his thumb uh, is, is something I'd be interested in as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so a lot of interest there. Um, well, I, I would love to talk about the Luke thing, this uh, idea of yeah him starting the Jedi Order, which of course is great, but uh, finding survivors of Order 66 and also trying to search out, you know, younglings. So I love this picture that Luke is like, I have restarted the Jedi Order. I have uh, 50-year-olds and 3-year-olds and me. Let's go. <laughs> I have support staff in the new generation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that interesting to you? Is that exciting to you? The idea that Luke would uh, very quickly after Return of the Jedi restart uh, the Jedi Order in this version of the legend and find yeah. Order 66 survivors? It is. It is. And it would have been more interesting to me at the time. It, it's it's interesting overall. I am I'm trying for the sake of this conversation to separate what I do love uh, and sometimes I'm wonderfully frustrated by that we don't have a ton of Luke stuff post Return of the Jedi, right? We have a couple of comics references, a book that's all legends that may or may not be true. I, I just love the idea that Luke goes, "Great, I'm a Jedi. Now I need to figure out what that is." And before I restart anything, I need to go figure out what I'm restarting, and I need to go go on a search. And and he's on, you know, I I'm fascinated by by what could be there in terms of that storytelling. So him diving right, right back in. And I'm not saying George would just have him like dive right you know, next day. Great. Gather up. I, I, uh, you know, um, here there's some survivors, but also it's also interesting that, you know, again, we didn't have the chance in the original trilogy when he, when he's making them to, to reference order 66, but to have Luke Skywalker in a movie, say around 2007, eight, nine, 10, I don't know, going, uh, Hey, order 66. We need a, that thing we all just saw in the theaters five years ago. I, I, I know about it and people survived it and they've been in hiding and, and um, it's in line with a lot of the stuff going on now where there's always a, a Jedi in the, in the corner uh, of the galaxy and we can find them. But Luke was just, uh, he had a destiny that they didn't have. So, um, or a path that they didn't have. So I'm in, I, I like that idea of, it's not like Luke diving right back in. He's got to go find them. So there's adventure. There is seeking. I just think I like the seeking out knowledge more than the actual assets to help him rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm really intrigued by what it could have been. Um, that I, again, that idea of, well, the original trilogy is restoring what was lost and then having like literal, uh, people who lived through what was lost. And would he encounter Jedi who are like, no, we did. We didn't do anything wrong. There were no problems with the Jedi order. Sidious just got one up on us. <laughs> and let's just go right back to exactly the way things were. Let's retake the temple. Let's let's go. And 
or would it be somebody who's like a uh, kid? I know you, uh, you went through a journey and you found your Jedi path, but now you're starting an organization that can crumble from the inside. And I know you are on your path, but how can you keep all of us on the path? You know? Yeah, no, I do know because yeah, that's, I, I'm going to say this carefully because I, I I know sometimes I take some big general swipes at Legends stuff, so I apologize to Legends fans. But I, I started to drop out myself in the mid-90s with the Jedi Academy stuff. It just wasn't pulling me in. I didn't find it as interesting. And by the way, this was before the prequels came out. Um, so, you know, again, I, there's probably some specific details that I, I know I'm not referencing or I know I don't have in my brain. I apologize for that. But the idea of Luke just restarting at business as normal is not interesting to me, but what you're describing. And I think George would, I have, I have a lot of faith that George would not just have Luke go great. I uh, rented an office and the Jedi order is back in business, baby. Uh, exact conversations, moments, Jedi that are like, I don't want to be back. I don't want to go back. We failed. Jedi that are like, great. Got my saber. Let's go. Uh, that, that is interesting to me. And that, that is a, a little bit in line with what I, uh, I like about the sequel era of him. Uh, him seeking knowledge and, and learning a little bit more about what he what he is and what they used to be. Yeah, yeah. Also very interesting to think at, at whatever point in time, again, th this is a modern interview, but we don't know exactly when Lucas had these ideas. We would assume when uh, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher were a little younger since it's happening so close to Return of the Jedi. But it's interesting that even Lucas would have that like, oh yeah, no, he could find, you know, a handful of, of Jedi who were just totally hiding through the entire Galactic Civil War. Yeah. That's an interesting uh, dynamic. Or to use your word, Ken, intriguing. Intriguing. I pulled it off the calendar today. Um, tomorrow is scrumptious. Uh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, and there's some, there's some actual, like, you know, there's, you know, when he's scribbling these notes down and if he's going to try, if he would have tried to make these movies, uh, when do they send me? You couldn't just say it's five years after Return of the Jedi because the the performers are are not five years after Return of the Jedi. No, they're they're younger, like you said. Um, would Harrison at this point in his career would he be open to that? And I don't know. It was around the time where he was open to going back as Indiana Jones a fourth time. So I I, I think sometimes Harrison can be unfairly uh, categorized as always crusty, and and that's not always the case eh, most of the time, but. Uh, <laughs> It would have been interesting to see. And so would that have forced George to move some of these ideas 20 years after Return of the Jedi? You know, um, it's a big what if. We'll never know. But yeah, that's uh, different than if he had made these in 97 versus 2007. Yeah, absolutely. Big, big absolutely to that. Yeah. So um, I'm going over my notes here and seeing if there's anything I felt I missed out of this. Anything, anything. There's a lot in here. Um, oh, there's stuff. Oh, you know what? There's, there's a lot of stuff with Talon that I thought was interesting about maybe a Snoke-like character, and that's definitely not intended to be Snoke, but um, being tied into into her um, and, and and how there is room uh, for a Snoke and First Order backstory even now. What we have, so we know Snoke may have had other apprentices, and that doesn't matter, you know, if he's uh, Palpatine's complete puppet or not. You know, we got some of those answers, but we don't know what exactly. Happen. So how would you feel about some of these elements um, uh, for popping up in other Star Wars stories? Uh, the, the, the Ray Sloan of it all, the, the First Order form <laughs> going up into power and other apprentices that were either meant to be instead of Ben Solo or until Ben Solo. There's, there's something there I, I don't mind. 
Yeah, yeah. And and also just to kind of unpack the uh, Darth Talon, it, there is some art from Force Awakens because it seems like in whatever treatment uh, Lucas provided that she was one of the only elements that survived in his last draft that he handed over to Disney, that she was uh, possibly somebody who was uh, helping to turn Ben to the dark side. And there's some art for oh. that. So it seems like she kind of exists in a couple different uh, possibilities. Um, yeah, but but right. to your question, I I really think this storytelling is juicy. I think kind of the most exciting thing about this to me is I think some of these stories, there's plenty of room in the modern canon for them to be told. I would love uh, books, uh, animated series probably would be my first vote of the adventures of Luke and Leia. Like maybe you got Han, but he's he's going off and doing racing stuff. But uh, but this real focus on Luke and Leia and the story of the prequels were the institutions of the Republic and the Jedi being attacked from within and failing from within. The story of the original trilogy is restoring them. Now the ultimate story, the ultimate challenge is Luke and Leia wrestling with how to best rebuild them. I think you can still tell that story and then you get to the story in the sequel trilogy of they built something good, but you know, darkness fought back and, and, and this new generation had to rise because that's the thing that is missing. I think from this treatment that is a very star Wars, very George Lucas thing, uh, uh, focus on the new generation. Um, so I feel like that, that story of Snoke in the first order and Ray Sloan off in the unknown regions, for sure that I think individual, uh, Luke and Leia, working together to start the the new republic to start uh the jedi order that he does have i would love that i'd love some young ben adventures i would love you know uh if, if it is true that snoke uh was wounded by luke i'd love that story and i think there's a lot of room to tell them some way somehow yeah yeah there is and and you know we we temper our expectations around these these parts uh, and it because i just it will it will more than just uh, fill out what we don't know, it just would be, I think, a fun chapter in this kind of, uh, in this Star Wars uh, story that we all love. Just uh, these years uh, reestablishing footing and how tough it is. And you talk about rebuilding, but also making better and, and, and how I think Luke probably finally went into, like, I just have the image of Luke going, you know what? Finally ready to start a Jedi Academy. I've got everything down from the logo and the paper. Uh, <laughs> classes in the planet that's perfect i got it all and what i want to teach and what i want to kind of get the image uh, the jedi and my own image but you know it's not mine it's 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 what i've, I've discovered and having that go wrong it just would add weight to what we what we got going on and that includes um, stuff with leia and the, and the new republic and just going a little bit more so hey hopefully one day and a character like talon uh, or or someone that represents uh you know talon would work well and i would love i would love on um, a, a big screen big star wars story a a female villain right just someone who's just nasty and evil and sith like we have ventress we have we have a lot of great examples and start but on a just a big level i i think that would go over well and it'd be fun to uh, uh get that in the story yes i would love yeah a, a dark side woman big bad on the big screen would be great uh I think the, the only other thing that I want to say about this and about like other storytelling with Luke and Leia in this era, I think for me, I really interpret what some of the characters said in uh, the sequel trilogy, in particular Luke saying, and for a long time there was peace, meaning that Luke and Leia did a good job. They set up these institutions and, and they did a good job and it benefited a lot of people. But, you know, uh, problems arise and they need 
you know, to be dealt with again. I think there's just still a lot of room to tell a kind of a triumphant story of Luke and Leia doing a good job setting things up. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I, you hearing you describe that. It's like, yeah, that is almost like he's referring to that trilogy <laughs> <laughs> for a long time. There was peace. Yeah. Yeah. But then we won again and we're, we were good. We set up the government, we set up the school we wanted and things were good. But yeah. Things, things yeah. And, uh, and I think a, a thing for me too, is like, remember 2005, uh, Revenge of the Sith comes out. Lucas says on red carpets in interviews, I did it. I told the whole story. I told the story of uh, Anakin Skywalker's fall and becoming Darth Vader and his redemption. And then moments later, he made the entire Clone Wars where he added all of this dimension to Anakin Skywalker. And that's the thing that makes me uh, feel like even with big characters, when we know the end of their story, there's always room to spend more time with them and, and to add more nuance. I 100% agree. And I'll say beyond just even characters, but eras and rebellions and wars against the empire. I think you can always add more to the story to, to just add weight uh, uh, to everything we already know. So yeah, you and I are in agreement on that. And uh, it seems like George, he always loves revisiting his stories. <laughs> he does. So uh, that is the look at that one, but we got a little bit of uh, figure uh, alerts and Mando Monday's merchandise check in here. Let's go with the figures first. These look great. Ah, man. So um, Black Series six-inch figures coming out in the spring, uh, spring 2021. Here's what we got, Joseph. Asajj Ventress. Mm. Moff Gideon. Mm. Green Karga. Mando. Quill. And then Crosshair and Hunter. We got some bad batch coming. Uh, then uh, we got a new vintage figure. Uh, this is uh, the three and three-quarter collection. Something close to your heart. We got Snaggletooth himself <laughs> in his little uh, little half robe, his little uh, bathrobe there. Uh, what do you think about these figures? And I'm especially interested um, in your thoughts on the Bad Batch rolling out. Oh, yeah. No, these are this is great. Uh, this is a, a threat to my wall space. Uh, this is a threat mm. to my cork board already filling up. Uh, Zutton, that's so great. They haven't made a figure of him in a long time. I was reading and I have such affinity for him being one of the four cantina creatures back in the Kenner days. Quill, I, I just want more Quill merchandise everywhere. So that that's, I'm really excited about Quill, really excited about Ventress. That's a great uh, figure. Uh, mm -hmm. The Crosshair and Hunter, that just, I don't know, that kind of, it uh, fires my excitement because we aren't talking in the general Star Wars community about Bad Batch coming and knowing that it is coming and kind of wondering how that's going to add to the whole story. Just being reminded of like the Bad Batch is coming, <laughs> not only in action figure form, but in television form is exciting. I'm right there with you. I, I went, uh, I was, it's, it's weird. Sometimes this news, the figure news seems to roll in and so many different spots. I follow Jedi business on Instagram. Um, Oh, uh, uh, was it a uh, fly guy? If I'll, you know, and uh, I'll see a picture and be like, what is this? That I can't even find the news story sometimes. <laughs> or uh, our, our wonderful listeners in our Force Center Discord community will post a picture and I'll be like, where's the actual news story about what figures are real? And I had to track it down. And so I, I saw Crosshair and Hunter, it probably was Crosshair first. And I, I didn't know, I, I literally went, what, what is that? Is that some purge trooper I didn't know about? I had to click, oh yeah, it's clones, it's Bad Batch. And this is something that's fresh in my mind, season seven of Clone Wars. I know the show's coming, but you're right, Joseph. We aren't talking about it. I don't know. That's not a good, good or bad thing. It's just a thing. Um, and I did look and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, give me, give me these figures. I think I like them more than I thought. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we always kept saying they're kind of like a G.I. Joe squad. Uh, the G.I. Joe collector and me from the 80s is like, oh, yeah, different kind of 
different kind of clones. I like this. So yeah, interesting observation. Yeah, I hope that they eventually uh, get not only these great black series, but some uh, a four pack uh, vintage figure of the whole Bad Batch five pack with Echo. Damn it! Oh yeah, got to include, include Echo in there. Uh, so yeah, those are coming on out there. Uh, I love. Uh, you know, I threw in the Snaggletooth because again, that's just that's what we knew. <laughs> that's what we knew. But I just love kind of revisiting those characters, and and you being a fan of the vintage. Uh, not to get too deep on it there, Justin, but to see these characters, to see them in the modern era and repackaged and looking so great, that's got to make the uh, inner inner kid uh, very happy, right? Oh, yeah, very much so. And it's just part of the fun, weird legacy of Star Wars of this very minor background character still resonating to the point where it's like, announcement on the internet. <laughs> New, incredibly detailed action figure of a very small background character from a film in 1977 it's just the weirdness of star wars and i love it and i'm look i'm i'm very happy zutton has a name but you know again i grew up calling him snaggletooth so uh and i love kind of that spirit of, of, of you know paying paying homage to that kind of time in our star wars fandoms with even some of the stuff on mandalorian with some of the character names um all right uh, speaking of mando monday so they they did the mando download you got the the character posters a lot of people uh excited as they should be for uh Bo-Katan, uh, Costa Reeves, Axe Wovis, uh, great hero shots there. Uh, I like the little concept one they released of Baby Yoda trying in vain to eat an octopus chowder bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Any favorites for you in this batch? Oh, yeah. I liked the uh, weird woodcut of uh, the sign of Pelimoto's Docking Bay 35. Um, oh, I don't yeah. have room uh, physically for all these things, but I love some things that go beyond toys or clothes to uh, things that are just like, hey, buy this actual thing from the world, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As I've gotten older, I don't know if that's all right, if that makes sense. But yeah, it's a little less of the packages and the toys, uh, though. I mean, look, I see this quill and this Moff Gideon. I'm like, yep, we're going to have to get that just like I have to get the Jar Jar and the Ventress and all those other ones. But yeah, I, I, like I would I would hang that. That's a great uh, put that in my kitchen. <laughs> kitchen bay 35 when you're yeah. in there making anything but clam chowder yeah uh the final uh, one i want to talk to you about here is this uh 24 inches tall cuddle plush by mattel of the child um cuddling a space frog mm -hmm. we know he's gonna eat <laughs> <laughs> unless this is him now post hanging out with the frog family where he has a new appreciation for life um and it's gone veggie. Uh, what, what do you think? I'm looking at it now. It's adorable. He's going to kill that thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I honestly just looked at it and I, 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 I shook my head and went here. Well, uh, 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 the, yeah. Uh, the whole frog thing, like the, the black series, uh, child comes with the frog and the, yeah. the ball, uh, the, in the ball is tiny. I can like, I'm afraid that I'm going to accidentally choke on it. <laughs> and I'm older than three years old. Uh, yeah, I think there is just, uh, I think that the, child merch era that we're living in is really great because i think it is so foot on the gas anything child the same way that phantom menace kind of did with jar jar that there's going to mm -hmm. be some like weird uh we look back and go they made a what of the child doing what with who <laughs> <laughs> do we yeah do we have a child um 
a child a uh, 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 pet dispenser that's like little frog shaped. <laughs> I really want that. I really, yeah, I want some weird the child pez dispenser. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Mando Mondays, just another Mando Monday. A lot of plushes, uh, some some shirts, some jammies, and uh, more than any other week, uh, figures cool figures of cool characters and that's part of being a, a star wars fans getting those figures so that is our look at star wars news we're gonna take a quick, quick break a reset before we do though we got our audiobook recommendation for you all joseph yeah we are going to be discussing this one soon it is a big one there's a lot to discuss in it so we are recommending the new from a certain point of view empire strikes back book many different stories many different points of view Yes, uh, it is uh, on our review list. So catch up, get ready. As Joseph said, download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. We'll take a quick break on the other side of this break. Your questions and more here on force center. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or SleepNumber.com. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138.
Welcome back to Forcer, the 271st episode of the main show, the big show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet. It still exists. It's just uh, now two superstar destroyers. <laughs> News and cues. And then, of course, the deep dives on um, Thursday. We've got a cool one coming uh, this Thursday on the lightsaber collection, Joseph. But right now, we're going to look at uh, questions. But even before that, we have uh, some special here, uh, something a little different that we've got. Yeah, that's right. So uh, every once in a while, we've been doing a show called Favorite Points of View, and I put out a call uh, to people, to to listeners, to share uh, their favorite of something. I did one about lightsabers, did one about bounty hunters. A little while back, uh, you and I, Ken, did one together where we asked people for the most relatable character in Star Wars. Uh, and this entry came in after we recorded, uh, but I really wanted to share it because it's it's very deep, it's very personal, it's very moving, and I just really wanted to share it. So this was mm-hmm. sent in in response to the question, who is the most relatable character in Star Wars to you, however you choose to define that for yourself? And we got this uh, great response from Mac. Uh, Mac says, I would honestly have to say Ben Solo. While there are some pretty remarkable differences, most notably the extremes is I have not been a fan of nor supported genocide, I do relate to some of the broader strokes in relation to his character. I had parents who weren't around much and was kind of a loner. A time came when I truly felt like I was on my own and I decided I was willing to go to any lengths to fit in and feel a part of something, regardless of what that was. In a sense, I did turn to the dark side with mine being drugs. I started running with a really bad crowd and felt like they really liked me and that I had finally found real friends only to later realize they were just using me because they could get something out of me. I spent years in and out of rehabs and like Ben slash Kylo, I was terrified of coming out of the shadows because then I would have to answer for and face the repercussions of all the bad things I had done. I decided I would rather go further down the rabbit hole for things to only get darker and darker. I felt like I was finally in control of something when in fact I was being completely manipulated and used, in my case, from the disease of addiction. Early last year, I was homeless for a brief period, and one morning I saw the sunrise over the empty storage locker where I was sleeping, and out of nowhere, the cobwebs cleared, and I finally had a moment of clarity. I wasn't a through-and-through horrible person. Yes, I had done bad things to the people who cared about me, nothing remotely close to Kylo with Han, thankfully, but it wasn't too late to do the right thing. I realized that by helping another person with my same struggles, I could have a truly positive impact in the world and make a difference, even if it was only one person. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but personally, I loved that Ben got redeemed at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, because I feel like Star Wars has always been about inspiring hope. I feel like the idea of it's never too late to do the right thing is something that cannot be overstated in this world, and for that reason, watching his arc across the new trilogy is something that will always resonate with me, and he is truly my favorite character in all of Star Wars. I know this is probably kind of dark and may not be usable, says Mac, but just figured I would offer my own personal experience. Above all else, I want you guys to know that Force Center and the Force Center community are something that will always hold a special place in my heart because even when things were grim, I still love Star Wars. I'm now 18 months clean, and you guys are a huge part of keeping me sane, especially on my rough days. Big love, Mac. Uh, Ken, oh, uh, what, what, are your, uh, what are your reactions? Well, you, you, you know, you send the notes uh, Sunday, right? I, I read this and I got tears in my eyes, Mac. I, I was moved by this story. Uh, uh, I love being part of uh, Star Wars. And, and to hear this story today, to the, you know, and this was sent probably a bit ago, but to hear it now, 
when and no worry about the details but just you know star wars fandom can sometimes be exhausting or painful or tough or confusing or you know sometimes you're like man why do i why do i even invest in this you know the fandom's rough right now right i love hearing this stuff because it goes to why uh you and i come back each week joseph to a podcast um and 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 talk about this thing we love um it's why we keep going back to these stories if you're a fan you know and you might be a surface star wars fan but not a problem you might be diehard casual fan as i call it not a problem but star wars as designed is this this is not necessarily what george lucas was trying to do in uh 1973 on a pad of paper when he couldn't get the rights to flash gordon but in a way to me joseph it is it is he is he wanted to tell a story that wasn't about um uh, the facts and, and the details, that was the spice. That was the, the, the frostiness we always say, but it was, it was, uh, a lessons. It was, uh, um, comfort. It was guidance for everyone, uh, at any point in your life. And Star Wars, I think matures with you, it grows with you and it hits you right when you need it. And this was a powerful reminder of why I keep coming back to these parts. Yeah, it's extremely uh, well said by you, Ken. Extremely well said by Mac. I think for me, it's it's really powerful. I wanted to be sure to share it because I think it is powerful that uh, that connection uh, was made between uh, our our space uh, opera and uh, somebody's real life in such a profound way. And it was uh, so uh, powerful of Mac to share that. And I think for me, it is a great reminder of what you're saying of. There's so many levels on which to love Star Wars. It can be just a, a fun escapism thing that you pop in. You you can celebrate the utter silliest silliness of it. I, I absolutely love uh, Lulilo Primak, a Vat Weirdo, and Upside Down uh, Frogs crooning old space tunes. It's so silly. It's so weird. It's so delightful. Uh, but underneath all of that is something that is truly profound and can be truly profound and and for me it is really centering to know that there are levels at which we can discuss and levels at which we can experience star wars and we can say like oh let's have kind of an academic back and forth you know the structure of the the sequel trilogy was this handled the best it could what about it from this perspective and we can really debate all that and none of that can ever change the fact that this is a piece of art that spoke to someone like Mac on such a deep and profound level. And I think uh, for myself, uh, I enjoy all sorts of Star Wars discussion, but this is to me like the most powerful in the thing that, that I always try to remember. And it's been so great from uh, people like Mac and, and many others who shared really heartfelt, really true things about how much Star Wars has helped them uh, when they truly needed help. And that is a part of the, community a part of the stories that i always want to make kind of like the most important in my heart yeah oh yeah put that put that number one in the depth chart of of, uh, reasons to love yeah you know and and um i am moved also by um mac finding uh importance and taking solace and maybe even learning or getting insight from the mistakes of a character and, and where it goes wrong. And, and, and I, I sometimes get a, a, a maybe even obsessed with that. And, and just like, sometimes you can see yourself uh, in something and what's on screen is supposed to be bad or supposed to be uh, the thought or the process or, or the path. That's not the best choice. And, and then by seeing that and seeing what that character does or just seeing it, just seeing the, Oh, 
the stuff he's talking about up top, maybe something that I haven't specifically uh, felt with, but just, you know, I'm imagining Kylo Ren being like, I finally found some friends and falling for that. And I don't mean that lightly, but just like looking around at uh, Hux and all these people like, oh, I'm finally home. I'm not. Oh, gosh, but I can't see it. I can't face it or I don't want to face it yet. That's that's also part of the the power of the storytelling, too. Yeah. even beyond the actions, because Kylo does bad things. Anakin does bad things. That's why I love, I can totally get into the debates of, of like you said, the intellectual conversations are with me, the pseudo-intellectual pseudo conversations about Anakin and uh, what he did and killing kids and all those kind of things. Yep, it's on screen, but nothing, nothing should take away from uh, the lesson of, of Anakin and Kylo of you can turn back. The choice is always there. Uh, it's hard. It's not easy, but it's there. Uh, I love that. I love that about Star Wars storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, Star Wars storytelling is is heightened. It is operatic, uh, particularly the Skywalker saga, big films on the big screens. But uh, I, I find Kylo's journey really powerful. That moment in Rise of Skywalker uh, where he thinks he's got Rey beat because he thinks she's failed Leia and, it, you know, admits you know, that uh, now you can't go back to her just like I can't and realizing that he's come to this place like uh, that connects to, to times like Mac is is talking about of really challenging times. But also for me, that just it just connects viscerally to like times when I'm angry and I've said something to somebody I care about that I don't feel great about. And and, and that feeling like I could apologize, but it's it's scary. It's so scary to, to try to turn around and do the right thing, you know, and that is just, it's so powerful and it's a, uh, is so great of Mac to capture that in such an eloquent way. Yeah. Big love to you, Mac. Uh, takes some, um, you know, takes some strength to maybe share some raw stuff here on a, on a podcast uh, in a galaxy far, far away, but uh, man, it really did move me and it, and it moves me now and I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank so you. yeah, big thanks. And uh, with that, I think we're going to move on to some audience questions, huh? Absolutely. All right, here we go. We always take questions from Twitter and Patreon. Our first questions are from Twitter. We got one from Nick Field. Nick says, many fans cite Rogue One as their favorite film of the Disney era, yet the Cassian Andor show seems to be the least anticipated upcoming Disney Plus series. I find this discrepancy Hmm. fascinating. What would you attribute it to? What are your thoughts, Ken? Uh, This is a great question, Nick. I I guess fascinating is the word I should choose to use. I find it frustrating at times, but... (laughs) But that's that's the thing. Look, there's just some some uh, oh, it's not some a large people fan who just generally they want something completely different in their stores Star Wars storytelling. And maybe they did love Rogue One. Maybe they love Cassian Andor and they love Diego Luna as Cassian Andor. But hey, I'd rather go 200 years before. I'd rather go 200 years in the future. I'd rather go a planet over where I haven't heard a story before. So I, I just want to acknowledge like that is that is totally uh, understandable and uh, something I kind of want as well too. Um, and I don't want to take anyone away from that in anything uh, I say or I'm about to say. I do, though, sometimes feel there's a little bit of um, just a, a tidal wave of narrative that can, can sweep across the land. Uh, and it becomes somewhat of a trendy answer to say, oh, creatively bankrupt. They're just going to characters <laughs> and eras that, they, that they've already been. Uh, you know, and that's where I get start getting a little frustrated because um, um, I think, you know, I just think you're not, there's maybe you're lacking some foresight to see what this could really be. Some of the stuff that you and I were talking about in this episode of just going back, you know, again, Lucas, go, I told my story, but you know what? I didn't really tell all the story in every corner and how it all funnels and fuels the main, uh, the main, uh, the, the main saga story. So 
that's why I'm fascinated about the Cassian series. I know a lot of people are, but yeah, it is a, it is a split. I don't know, Joseph. It just might be that, Hey, we already saw it. I loved it. Don't want to revisit it. And that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it might definitely be that of, of the people who are really in the star Wars bubble and paying a ton of attention are just like, I'm not excited for that one. I can't see it. I don't, I don't get it. Um, bad batch obviously is an upcoming show where we saw, the characters very recently uh kenobi is that's huge ewan mcgregor returning is huge mando is going on right now right this moment uh both the uh leslie headland in the taika waititi film is that sort of promise of like what is really turning the page what is what is next as we get away from uh familiar characters so i think maybe it's just a little lost in the mix i think there's a little bit of just out of sight out of mind uh myself and mm. This is a prediction in which, uh, if I were betting, I could lose a lot of money because I could be entirely wrong. But my personal reading of the tea leaves of what this show is going to be, I think when the first article in particular, when the first trailer comes out, I think people are going to be all on board. I think people are going to be extremely excited. If the show is what I think it is and the trailer um, communicates that, this is a spy thriller. This is, you know, a spy thriller that has all of that kind of spy action, uh, espionage action, but also has the morality of is what I'm doing, is it okay? Is it worth it for the final goal? Uh, I think that feeling of Jason Bourne, that feeling of the uh, Americans, a Tinker Taylor soldier spy, but in space, I think when, that is communicated to people in an article, in a trailer, really, really well, particularly in a trailer. I think the, oh, that is actually fresher than I was thinking is going to land hard and people are going to get real excited. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I hope, I hope. Uh, and look, you and I, you're right. We don't know. We have an idea from what we're just seeing of who's attached and what has been described. We don't know, man. I, I don't got these scripts on my desk. Do you? I don't know. Well, maybe ask a scooper. We don't know. But I think it is not just a story of the rebellion against the empire. It is what you're saying. It is It is a different kind of, of look at before it exploded into all-out war. And the pressures, the risks, the importance, the stakes uh, with intrigue and espionage, you know. Uh, ah, man. Yeah, I'm excited. Again, I'll go to the, I know other people might not be, but maybe I'm hoping, I'm hoping you're right, Joseph. I'll, I'll, I'll put some chips down on the table with you. Yeah. I think people love K2SO too. I think they love K2SO. I think uh, I've heard mostly, uh, I don't think I've ever yeah. heard anything negative about Diego Luna or the character of Cassie Nando. I get if people are like, fine, but I'm not intrigued. Uh, but I think there is a real love for those characters, K2SO in particular. So seeing that character yeah. and I think seeing that story of, We've seen the story of, of wars. We've seen the story of rebellion. But if Cassian's story is, I grew up as a separatist and I was already fighting against what I thought was unjust in the Republic. And, and so was my family. And then that morphed into the Empire. And I have never had a choice but to fight. That's been my entire life. That's, a, that's interesting. And, and I think it might hook people. 
I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Great question, Nick. Uh, so we're going to move on to our next question from Anthony Poirier. Anthony says, do you think Luke and Ahsoka ever met? I can see the possibility where she'd seek him out, but uh, never actually meet or she could actively try to avoid him. Or maybe they just uh, comically keep missing each other. But here in the outer regions on Mando opens up. But her in the outer regions on Mando opens up a possibility. Thanks. Uh, again, this is uh, some Mando spoiler territory here. Uh, and I figured this is, uh, you know, one of the, one of the last times we may be able to take a question like that. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I've been seeing lots of discussion about that. Of what would their relationship be? Would they want one? What are your thoughts? Well, you know, it, it's it's. Um, I think I'm now in the camp that they did meet, and it would be around this time in the storyline. This time being the the Mando time, five years afterwards. So, uh, I I do have some apprehension I, I i think you share it too but i don't want to speak to you just like if she you know where she was during the galactic civil war is important to me just in terms of uh lore and canon stuff um not always why i come to the party but that's something i i do keep in mind all the time so uh her showing up to the new hope and not getting involved or not us not hearing about it i'm open to it because just her presence in the clone wars was questioned and it worked out quite all right for my money. So <laughs> where she is during the Galactic Civil War is important because again, the Death Star blows up. I can't imagine the Ahsoka Tano we know sitting anywhere in the galaxy if she's found Ezra and her and Sabine and Ezra are having a dinner and they're like, hey, the Death Star blew up. Wonder what happened with that? I can't imagine her not, you know, not, not getting involved, right? Like she's not just a Jedi that survived Order 66 and is in hiding. Um, even though she might be in some sort of hiding. I get it. I get it. You know, she was fulcrum. She's part of the fight. So she leaves to go deal with the other stuff. I got to imagine she will get involved. So now I'm intrigued more of her showing up after and being like, hey, who are you? Who are you? Let's talk. Because imagine the conversations they could have about what it means to be a Jedi. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, you know, with Rebels, the, there's that uh, coda that is after Return of the Jedi, you know, and, and it's a little bit ambiguous what, what Ahsoka's deal is there with where she was during the Galactic Civil War. So I think when I approach this question, it is really about, like, the Galactic Civil War has happened. It's ended, and Luke has emerged uh, as, you know, the next Jedi, you know, the the uh, holder of the flame. And then what happens? Uh, and for me, I think about it from both Luke and Ahsoka's uh, perspective, what we know of Luke's canon is that he's wants as much information. He wants knowledge. He wants mastery. He doesn't, you know, he's not just looking for knickknacks, right? He wants to understand the full mystery of the force. Um, so I can't imagine that he wouldn't seek out somebody that he knows to have knowledge if he is aware of this person who is, you know, alive and uh, now and was alive during the uh, fall of the, the old order of the Jedi. Of course he would want to know. And I feel like we don't know what's happened with Ahsoka, you know, exactly uh, during the Galactic Civil War. There, we don't know exactly um, what happened, uh, you know, if she did go search with uh, Ezra and Sabine, uh, in, uh, search with Sabine for Ezra in Purgletown, Purgletory, whatever. We, we don't know where she's been at. I feel like one of the things that is great about Ahsoka's character is that she is a steadfast character like Leia. Once she finds her sense of justice and her sense of the light side of the force that that's not a path she's going to abandon. 
So mm-hmm. I think by the time all this has happened, the, the Jedi Order has long fallen. The Empire has fallen. I don't think she's walking around with some huge chip on her shoulder about the Jedi, right? I think for her, it's probably more like labels and names only matter so much. What matters is your actions. And why should we, would she not want to hear the story of, of what actually happened with the son of Anakin and what actually happened in Anakin's final moments? You know, why should we, why would she not want that part of the story to be filled in for her? I just kind of feel like they have a lot to share with one another. Like they, they have the, you know, these two important halves of Anakin's journey that they can really gift one another, you know? Oh, that's a great way to phrase it. And now that campfire conversation becomes tremendously emotional, right? Yeah. Like Luke saying, yeah, let me tell you about his final moments. Let me tell you what happened. Um, yeah, that would be that would be pretty uh, powerful to, to to experience, to read, see, watch. I don't know, I don't know, but yeah. Oh man, yeah, great. I think someday we'll get it, and I think it, it it will be partially about that. You know, let me tell you who he was before he fell, and let me tell you who he was. Uh, you know, when he returned, conversation, and then maybe yeah, might get into like the Luke's like I'm restarting the Jedi Order, and she's like, okay here's my list of <laughs> what not to do. Like may, maybe then you might get into it, uh, into all yeah. of that, you know, but I think they're in this really interesting place of both saying we've found our Jedi path. We know what we think it is to serve the light side of the force. Now, how do we institutionalize that and not lose that spirit? Some of the things we were talking about earlier in the episode, I think they'd both have opinions on. Absolutely. Around the Campfire with Luke and Ahsoka coming to Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, eight hours of conversation I'd be just fine with. Uh, moving on to our questions from Patreon. We got one from Andrew McNabb. Uh, Andrew's got a scenario for us, Ken. Here's the scenario. Dex's Diner has just announced they're offering booth dedications. All your life days have come at once. Your name on a plaque, on a seat for eternity. Alas, you don't have enough credits. Uh, assemble a crack team for an Ocean's Eleven-style heist to rob an evil casino of the much-needed funds. Uh, Using Star Wars characters galaxy-wide, you will need the charming smooth talker, the muscle, the getaway, the gadgeteer, the thief, and the strategist. Put Mm. on some light space jazz and choose wisely. So, Ken, did you make some uh, wise choices? (laughs) I hope so. It's funny, Andrew. It's funny. Uh, I... So I know there's, you know, two versions of Ocean's Eleven. There's the Rat Pack version and then the, uh, what was it, 2000, 2001 Soderbergh version. And I am one of those folks. And I'll even say it, I am one of those guys that loves Ocean Eleven. 12 and 13, eh. Ocean's Eleven, I just, at the end of the film, I get emotional when they're looking at the Bellagio. I'm, okay, I'm just, it's cliche. I'm sorry. I'm just one of those guys. I love it. <laughs> I love this film. And I watched it again three nights ago while I was doing some work. I, do, I was going to put on a Star Wars. There's a, a Monty Python docu- documentary I'm trying to watch on Netflix, but I, I can't have it on in the background. I want to pay attention to it because I just, uh, I'm so influenced by Monty Python. Um, so I was like, oh, Ocean's Eleven. So, Andrew, perfectly timed. Perfect. <laughs> um, I don't know. You wanna, what do you want to do? You want to go one by one here or do you just want to name our teams here, Justin? Let's, let's just name our teams. You know what? I'll go first and, and let you do the big, the big finish up. How about that? I don't know if my my answers are worthy, but I'll, I'll I'll play the game. Okay, sounds good. I'm also a big fan of uh, the original Ocean's Eleven and uh, the the new one. You know, the almost twenty year old new one. Yeah right. Yeah right. Uh, 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 I say. All right. So this was fun. 
you know, sometimes when we get questions like this, I, I really go on that deep dive. I'm like, I'm going to come up with three. I'm going to find some obscure characters. I just went uh, fast and intuitive with my Star Wars gut, and this is what came out. My charming smooth talker is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Come on. He's the negotiator. He likes to drink tea with people. He likes to flirt. He's, the, he's my charming smooth talker. Uh, the muscle. This was just immediate because I've been seeing a lot of this muscle. Din Djarin. Din Djarin can take out uh, uh, any problems, right? No problem. He's muscle. Uh, the getaway, perhaps controversial, Anakin Skywalker. You know, Han Solo, great pilot. Uh, many other great pilots in the galaxy. But Anakin loves uh, uh, <laughs> flying and does not man- mind uh, uh, doing some weird things to get away. Uh, Gadgeteer, that's got to be Babu Frick. Come on. Um, oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, he, there is a risk when you're trying to do a stealthy heist that he can't be screaming, hey, hey, all the time. So that might not be great. Uh, the thief, uh, you know, I did go through a couple options, but the thief, the one that came down to me is just my in my gut, R2-D2. Uh, R2-D2 does a lot of things where nobody suspects that anything is amiss because what? It's just another astromech droid. He flies under the radar and he is... Uh, you know, of Star Wars characters, we've actually seen him steal a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he's certainly stolen a lot of data, and he tried to steal, uh, he, he prevented Yoda from stealing the the, uh, the lamp. So there's that. But I think he'd be a good little thief. He's got all those appendages. Who knows what he can do? Finally, mm-hmm. strategist. Uh, uh, again, a lot of great options, but I went with Padme. Padme is one of the people that we have actually seen on screen straight up strategize in terms of the uh, the fight to retake Theed in The Phantom Menace. And uh, in, I love Padme's role in the uh, prequel trilogy in that many things would go better if everyone would just listen to exactly what Padme said. And I think you want that out of a strategist. That's great. Okay. Woo. This is always fun. These are fun, Andrew, but also then you feel like you're, you feel like you're disrespecting a character if you didn't pick them, you know, <laughs> they're so, <laughs> all right. Well, we didn't have any crossover. We didn't have any crossover. We had kinda, no crossover. Wow. No that's crossover. awesome. And I kind of, you did the same thing you of like, I, I, I just was like, I went down the list, charming smooth talker. What comes to mind? Muscle. What comes to mind? And then work from there. So smooth talker. Actually, I'm going to start here. Not on my list. At any one of these is Dr. Afra, but I tried every time. And Afra is her own brand. She's a strategist, but she also flies by the seat of her pants. She's a smooth talker. She's also very, very puts her foot in her mouth and gets in a lot of trouble. She's her own muscle, but she relies on others. She can get away. You know, yeah, I went down the list, but I She's love actually Afra. like all of these, right? <laughs> yeah. Afra is her own team, and it sometimes works out, sometimes doesn't. So I wanted to acknowledge that because I was like, ooh, she'd be perfect, but she's almost um, her own her own thing. So uh, smooth talker. I went with Poe Dameron. Mm. You know, that lip bite on the, you know, will get anyone to take their jacket off uh, it, it, to get into a building there. I, I'm going over, uh, I'm looking at Clooney as Danny Ocean and just um, mm. working his way around a lot of uh, just, you know, he's got the security guard getting the getting him access to the blueprint room. He's got this and that. Uh, he's, he knows the muscle that's uh, going to beat him up and everything. So I went with Poe Dameron. Uh, the muscle, though, I, I did go with Black Crescent. Uh, mm. I think uh, Crew. I, I do really love Black Crescent, and I think he's an a interesting character to me. I almost thought Chewy, um, but I, you know, Crescent's got he's got a little less moral fiber than Chewy, <laughs> a lot less. <laughs> and so he might do some things that we need. Uh, the getaway, I went with Hera. Ooh, because Hera, other than just being a great pilot, I think is often in Rebels 
the getaway. <laughs> she literally is. Yeah, we've seen her do this. Yeah, it is. She's good at this. So with that, the gadgeteer, Babu Frick, by the way, I can't believe I didn't even, can't believe I didn't think about that. Uh, gadgeteer, I went with Pikba. Ooh. Uh, from Last Shot, she's uh, an Ewok uh, who went off world and uh, chose her own path. And I think she knows a lot. Uh, she's got a she's a tech genius indeed. And uh, I'm going with Pikpa for this one here. I'm, I'm going to call it the Jennifer Landa honor honorable pick there. That's a good um, deep cut as things go. Yeah, Thief. I couldn't. Uh, Arch is a great answer. I went with Ezra. Mm. I went with Ezra because when we first meet him. It's kind of his life. And he reminds me a little bit of Matt Damon's uh, uh, Linus character who's just going to, you know, be on a subway pickpocketing until he's called to a bigger cause. <laughs> uh, I'm going with Ezra Bridger. Strategist, you're right. A ton of choices. I went a little old school. I went Crick's Mating. Oh. He can plan the Battle of Endor and have a lot to do with that. He can take his little pointer and his beard and he can plan this strategy uh, uh, for our heist here. Yeah, if your action figure comes with a pointer, then you are a good strategist. And you're good for a casino robbery. <laughs> you're good for a casino robbery. <laughs> We're looking for a strategist. Do you know anybody with a, uh, a stick to point at things? We need to point. So, uh, oh, wow, that's my list. Andrew, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. That was a fun one. Very, very good. Uh, we love talking the fun stuff as well as the deep stuff. Moving on to our final question, Will Culbertson asks, I want to dig into one specific moment from Attack of the Clones. During the chase sequence on Coruscant, we get this bit of banter between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Obi-Wan, if you spend as much time practicing your saber techniques as you did your wit, you'd rival Master Yoda as a swordsman. Anakin, I thought I already did. Obi-Wan, only in your mind, my very young apprentice. Uh, Will's question. Do you think that Anakin, in all his hubris actually believes that he rivals Yoda as a swordsman, or is he just playfully trolling Obi-Wan the way a younger brother might an older brother? My take on the moment bounces back and forth depending on the viewing, so I'd love to hear your perspectives as well. Thanks. So what do you think, Ken? Does Anakin actually believe he rivals uh, Master Yoda in his skills with a lightsaber, or is he just being cocky? I think he, uh, all of it actually, I think he is. I think he does believe it. But he believes it at this point in the story. I think he believes it in the sense of he's heard people say he's good. He knows Yoda's probably better. He knows it. He feels it. But he knows deep down, I'm going to surpass him. Or if really it comes down to it, I know I got the skills. He's just not focused on it. And it's fun now. I think at some point in his life, in his career, Anakin starts to believe his own hype. And that's part of the downfall. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think this moment is really great because I think it is kind of both. I think it is, you know, he's 19, but he's still, I think, in the movie very much in those uh, teen years of stepping into your own power where, where you are recognizing how powerful you are. But he has all these very specific moments of teen angst of how he's being held back and how he really appreciates and respects Obi-Wan. But actually, Obi-Wan's uh, the problem with everything in his life, you know, and he he does kind of go back and forth on where he's at in, I think, a way that is is very uh, relatable to uh, all of us who have been teens. Um, so I think this is a real teen moment of like, yeah, when I'm just fighting in the uh, the lightsaber room, yeah, I can rival him. I know very little about the actual costs and stakes and reasons <laughs> for a lightsaber fight. Uh, so I think this is kind of... It, I love that this line is a direct setup for... Yoda's fight later in the film, that revelation in 2002. Uh, mm. 
But in, I like thinking out, which I never have until we'll ask this fun question of a setup for Anakin's failure in that same lightsaber fight of like, well, we, we got the answer. <laughs> He's not. He doesn't rival Yoda yet. Uh, so I kind of like thinking of it as both of like that, that moment when you're a teen and you're cocky of like, yeah, I can do anything. Oh, no, something bad happened and everything fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> that, sir is a great way to wrap it all up. You're right. You forget maybe over years of watching this movie, this this sequence is in the same movie that we get Yoda fighting Dooku and Anakin not winning over Dooku. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yep. Some questions answered there, both in the film and here on the podcast. Great questions. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Nick. Always excited to tackle questions, and I'm excited to dig up more for next week. Oh, I did want to say a thing about questions. If you're uh, if you're wanting to ask a question on Twitter, it's uh, one extra step, but it's the best way to get to us. Uh, like every month or so, maybe every six weeks, I will put out a tweet uh, requesting uh, questions. Um, in the, because it's really hard to keep up with them when they just kind of come in on a random uh, day and I'm, I'm doing other things too. So if you really want to be sure to get a, get us to see a question, the best thing to do is to go on uh, Twitter and then just like click our profile and just scan down to the tweets. And then you'll see the one I usually say briefing time. When you see the one that says briefing time, uh, ask a question there. That's the best way to make sure we see it. We try to, I I tried to find them, uh, everywhere, but it's a lot to keep track of. Yeah, it is. It is a lot to keep track of. So there you go. Listen to the man, my friends. Listen to what the man said um, there. Um, what a great episode today. What a, what a fun episode, Justin. I had fun. Yeah. <laughs> if you were like, no. <laughs> no, no, it was great fun. This is a really great mix uh, this week with uh, some really thoughtful, really deep stuff and some really fun stuff in that is everything that Star Wars can be. Indeed, and we are uh, clinking glasses here at the end of our session at the Star Wars Podcast Bar, and uh, I uh, enjoy it all the time. Hey, we're uh, almost out of here, but we want to tell you where you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod, uh, Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We are on Instagram, YouTube, subscribe over there. Uh, podcasts available a lot of different spots like Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. And Google Podcasts, uh, excuse me, Amazon Music uh, for podcasts as well. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. We are on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Force Center is where you can support the show, help us grow, and reach some of our goals. You can follow me at Cadnapsock or go to Cadnapsock.com for information on all the things I do. Up top, I tease something, uh, some announcements shortly on uh, some uh, more things I'll be working on because what I need uh, more of is less free time. Uh, we always <laughs> uh, highlight uh, uh, charities that are close to our heart or even in, in this case, particularly it's close to a longtime listener, Kai Thatch. Uh, we'd love having Kai around these parts. Uh, always has some great questions. And and he, uh, uh, long ago, uh, for even over my uh, um, regular Patreon page, uh, nominated this charity, Hope for the Warriors. Hopeforthewarriors.org is a group founded by U.S. combat veterans and their families with a goal to help all that are affected by military service, particularly during the difficult transitions into civilian life. You can use the volunteer hub on the Hope for the Warriors website to find opportunities near you. They also have virtual volunteer opportunities as well. And you can go make donations or get involved at hopeforthewarriors.org. Thanks, Kai, for uh, recommending that one. That's great. Yeah, I, I'm going to echo that one. I think that is uh, really important. And uh, I think it's really great uh, that you highlighted that so well, Ken. Um, 
for for myself, you can uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all my other comedy adventures. Comedy adventures are a fun thing. Hey, that is it for this week. Big lightsaber collection conversation on Thursday. More Mando Star Wars ranked. We've got a lot of things coming your way, and we're happy to have you here with us on Force. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.